Dear loving Father in heaven, thank you Lord for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. We also thank you Father for the privileges that you give to us in the spiritual and the temporal blessings that we enjoy. Glory be unto your name dear Lord. Father, as we fellowship with you today, we pray that your spirit shall be upon every one of us, granting us understanding, helping us to rightly divide the word of truth and also feeding our thirsty and hungry souls that we may be built up into the most holy faith. I pray, Father, for myself as the one who will be speaking, Lord. I need your help. I need your grace. I cannot say anything that will benefit your children. And I know you love us and you sent your son to die for us. For that sake, Lord, I pray that you will bless this, the words that will come from my mouth, that they will be indeed a source of help and edification and strength to all your children that we may be built up into Christ Jesus in Jesus name of prayed. Amen Conflict and Courage, August 16 The Living Coal Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 6 and 7 Isaiah had denounced the sin of others, but now he sees himself exposed to the same condemnation he had pronounced upon them. He had been satisfied with a cold, lifeless ceremony in his worship of God. He had not known this until the vision was given him of the Lord. How little now appeared his wisdom and talents as he looked upon the sacredness and majesty of the sanctuary. How unworthy he was, how unfitted for sacred service. The vision given to Isaiah represents the condition of God's people in the last days. They are privileged to see by faith the work that is going forward in the heavenly sanctuary and the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. As they looked by faith into the spoken, into the holy of holies, and see the work of Christ in the heavenly sanctuary, they perceive that they are a people of unclean lips, a people whose lips have often spoken vanity, and whose talents have not been sanctified and employed to the glory of God. Well may they despair as they contrast their own weakness and unworthiness with the purity and loveliness of the glorious character of Christ. But if they, like Isaiah, will receive the impression the Lord's designs shall be made upon the heart, if they will humble their souls before God, there is hope for them. The bow of promise is above the throne, and the work done for Isaiah 
will be performed in them. God will respond to the petitions coming from the contrite heart. We want the living call from off the altar placed upon our lips. We want to hear the word spoken. Thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. The life call is symbolical of purification. If it touches the lips, no impure word will fall from them. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Living Coal, and we are continuing from what we studied yesterday in the ministry of Isaiah, the call of Isaiah. Isaiah was a man who was keen to notice the errors in the life of his people, the people of Judah. He saw their sins and was able to cry, Woe unto them! Woe to those who wake up in the morning so that they can take wine and strong drink. Woe to those that call good evil and evil good. Woe unto them, Isaiah said. But while Isaiah was crying, Woe, 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 he himself was not in the best condition that he could be qualified for service for the Lord. The Lord had pity upon him and appeared to him and gave him a view of the sanctuary of God. And while Isaiah saw this, he shouted and cried, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That is Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5. This experience of Isaiah, what does it mean for us today? As we have just read in our devotion, it is specifically showing to us our own condition. We live in a time when our Lord Jesus Christ is in the most holy place of the sanctuary and we have been given a view of what is taking place in the most holy of the sanctuary and we see that our Lord Jesus Christ is doing a work of purification right now as we speak and he wants to put that live coal on every one of us who have had the experience of understanding what the Lord is doing today. When we behold the holiness of God and the awful majesty of his throne and the train of the seraphs which are before the Lord, we like Isaiah are to be filled with a dread for ourselves and cry, Who shall be able to stand? That is another way of saying, Woe is me for I am undone. We realize as we go through the work that our Lord is doing in the most holy place, scrutinizing everyone's life with a detail that is very atomic, in fact I say subatomic level. Every motive, every word, every act is being scrutinized with unerring accuracy. Angels of God are taking records of everything that we are doing with terrible exactness. And when we compare our lives with the law of God, which is the character of our Lord Jesus Christ, and not comparing it on the surface level like we discussed yesterday, comparing it on the deep level, we realize that we are not fit for service for the Lord. But then, did Isaiah get this vision for the sake of just condemnation? Did the Lord appear to Isaiah to condemn him, 
No, the Lord appeared to him to make him to come up higher. The Lord did not hate what he was doing, so also with us. We may be engaged in service for the Lord, but as we come nearer and nearer to him, we see the character of our Lord in all his beauty, in all his holiness, in all its clarity, and we are filled with a sense of dread for ourselves. Because as we saw in our devotion yesterday, if you haven't listened to it, you really need to listen to that one. The nearer we come to Christ, the more clearly we see of our own weakness. And then we are filled with a sense of our sinfulness. That's how we feel. The more you study your Bible, it's not there to make you feel good about your condition. But the more you study your Bible and the more you come to Christ, it is not that God wants you to feel bad, but it is inevitable that you will see more of your sinfulness. Why? Not because you are looking at yourself, but because you are seeing the holiness of our Lord Jesus and how far we are from Him. That is why we feel that way. But the Lord doesn't do it just to make us remain that way. Like we see in our devotion for today, He puts the living coal upon us. And what does this living coal represent for us? You see, it represents, like we saw, purification. Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 234, paragraph 2. Concerning Isaiah, after he had seen the vision, it says, How little now appeared his wisdom and talents as he looked upon the sacredness and majesty of the sanctuary. How unworthy he was, how unfitted for sacred service. End of quote. Is it this experience of Isaiah who we must all have? Many of us, like Isaiah, crying, Whoa, 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 on others, but have not seen or have not been sanctified by the truth. We need a view of the holiness of God so that we can say, Woe is me, and our comeliness turns to corruption. But the Lord wants to give us hope. We read in page 234, paragraph 3 concerning ourselves it says but if they like isaiah as if we like isaiah will receive the impression the lord designs shall be made upon the heart if they will humble their souls before god there is hope for them the bow of promise is above the throne and the work done for isaiah will be performed in them amen god will respond to the petitions coming from the contrite heart and what is the work that was done for isaiah isaiah 6 Verse 6 and 7 says, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. So, what does this live coal symbolize? It symbolizes purity and power. Reading from the Review and Herald, October 16, 1888, it says, The live coal is symbolical of purification. And let me just pause. It's written right there in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. After the seraphim put that live coal on the mouth of Isaiah, he said, This hath touched thy lips. One, so it sanctified his lips. And secondly, it says, Thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. So what does the life coal do? What does it do on Isaiah now? And what will it do for us? It will purge our sins. It will take away our iniquities and it will sanctify our lips. So clearly we see from there that the life coal represents 
the thing that the Lord does in our lives to purge our sins, to take away our sins and our iniquities and to sanctify our lips. For what purpose? So that we become politically correct? Oh no. Isaiah chapter 58. What did the life call do to Isaiah? The Lord said to him, Cry aloud, spare not, show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. The life call gives power to speak. It doesn't mean that you don't talk anymore, but rather you are going to speak with power. So I was reading earlier from Review and Herald, October 16, 1888. It says, the life call is symbolical of purification. If it touches the lips, no impure word will fall from them. The life call also symbolizes the potency of the efforts of the servants of the Lord. So, take have that in mind. The life call represents the potency, that is how powerful, the efforts of the servants of the Lord. God hates all coldness, all commonness, all cheap efforts. Those who labor acceptably in his cause must be men who pray fervently and whose works are wrought in God and they will never have cause to be ashamed of their record. They will have an abundant entrance into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and their reward will be given them, even eternal life. Amen. So, if we have this life call given to us, our ministry will become alive. It will no longer be that cold, dead formalism that we see so much among the people of God today. Isaiah's ministry was cold before and he needed his life cold to make him to become alive. It was dead. Reading from our devotion for today in Conflicts and Courage, that's page 234, paragraph 2, it says, Isaiah had denounced the sin of others, but now he sees himself exposed to the same condemnation he had pronounced upon them. Why? He had been satisfied with a cold, lifeless ceremony in his worship of God. He had not known this until the vision was given him of the Lord. How little now appeared his wisdom and talents as he looked upon the sacredness and majesty of the sanctuary. How unworthy he was. How unfitted for sacred service. End of quote. So, we are seeing what this life code represents and I want us to list them out so that we don't mix it up. Firstly, we are looking at the fact that it purges sin, that is, it purifies. Secondly, it sanctifies the tongue, that is, it gives this um, ability to the tongue so that it speaks only words that are pure and edifying and also speaks with power. Thirdly, it transforms the life from the ministry to God from the service to God that is cold, dead formalism to one that is powerful. What is the difference now? That cold, dead formalism is that character that is in many of us that helps us to be content, that makes us to be content with just going to church and coming back, with just taking the offering bowl and giving to people in the church and say, oh, we are doing service for God because I carry the offering bowl or I'm an usher. But yet, there is no prayer for souls that are dying in sin. Yet, there is no fervent effort made to preach the word of God faithfully 
so that people can come out of their sin into righteousness. There is no crying aloud. There is no person that is saying, Oh, I will not spare. I will show the people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. There is no going on the knees to labor for those whom we have preached to and praying to the Lord that their lives will be transformed. There is no love shown in relieving the orphans and the widows. There is no love shown in sympathizing with those who err and giving them help and understanding their situation and trying to lift them up from down from the place and the pit wherein they have fallen and bringing them to stand and walk in the newness of life when that life call comes and touches us we will not be satisfied with merely going to church and coming back we will not be satisfied with merely saying i have served god by carrying the offering bowl we will at least at the very least pray for souls that are perishing in sin who of us cannot learn to pray how many of us can say oh i don't have the gift of preaching you can be excused but how many of us can be excused from prayer no one is excused as we read now in review and herald october 16 1888 we are told there the lord hates all coldness all commonness all cheap efforts i'll tell you what again is a very cheap effort it is to go to your social media and say with all due respect to everyone who is listening i know many of us we do this we go to social media and just put things there in our status i love jesus or we put that bumper sticker on our our cars and say jesus fish and you just put one sticker on your door and then you feel like you're ministering for the lord that is with all due respect cheap evangelism that is cheap evangelism i love jesus do you love jesus just put that bumper sticker or you just wear a, ch- a shirt saying jesus child and all of that that is common cheap effort made for the lord we read those who labor acceptably in his course must be men who pray fervently and whose works are wrought in god and they will never have cause to be ashamed of their record brothers and sisters you need this life goal i need it how is your prayer life we have just been looking at people like Elisha, Elijah, the prophets that were with them, the other 7,000 that did not bow to bow. Are we like these people? We need the life call for the transformation of our character to purify us. What good is it that you put on social media, Jesus, or you put on social on your, on your car, Jesus fish, or your door, oh, I am, a, I am a child of God, all those kind of things, and yet your life everyone can see it that it is laden with iniquity you are eating and drinking with the drunken you watch what they watch you are pleased with the same entertainments that they enjoy you dress like them you act like them you go to the places they go to you love what they love and hate what they hate and what god loves you also hate and yet it's on our bumper stickers child of god and we say we are evangelizing for him and we say we are doing service for him this is the common cheap efforts that we are making this is the coldness in our religion there is no prayer 
if we are praying we only pray fervently to get the visa we only pray fervently to get the job so for our money to increase for prosperity and yet there is no prayer for our souls that are laden in iniquity for the lord to give us victory over sin there is no prayer fervent prayer for those who are in sin and we labor for them there is no effort in saying to someone i want to study the word of god with you there is no effort in taking a tract to give to people so that they can read the word of god or in sharing books to give to people so that they can have opportunity to have the light of salvation there is no effort made to help out in prayer this is that coldness that the lord wants to take from us we need this life call for the purity of our acts and our words we need to ask ourselves even if you are doing these things i'm just listening now why do you do the things you do? You see, the heart can be so deceptive that it needs trials to reveal its true motives. Frequent, frequently, we may flatter ourselves that we are serving God with a pure heart, whereas our acts have been corrupted and stained with impure and selfish motives. Reading from the youth instructor, April 7, 1898, we are told, Every action derives its quality from the motive which prompts it. And if the motives are not high and pure and unselfish, the mind and character will never become well balanced. Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 1, page 347, paragraph 3 and downward says, The motive gives character to acts. It is the motive that gives character to our acts, stamping them with ignominy or with high moral worth not the great things which every eye sees and every tongue praises does god account most precious the little duties cheerfully done the little gifts which make no show and which to human eyes may appear worthless often stand highest in his sight the heart of faith and love is dearer to god than the most costly gift the poor widow gave her living to do the little that she did she deprived herself of food in order to give those two mites to cause to the cause she loved and she did it in faith believing that her heavenly father would not overlook the, her great need it was this unselfish spirit and christ-like faith that won the savior's commendation going on it says god reveals the motives god leads his people on step by step he brings them into positions which are calculated to reveal the motives of the heart. Some endure at one point but fall off at the next. At every advanced step, the heart is tested and tried a little closer. If any find their hearts opposed to the straight work of God, it should convince them that they have a work to do in overcoming or they will be finally rejected of the Lord." End of quote. What is this telling us? The Lord is going to test your motive. Why are you going on that evangelism? Why are you sharing the tracts? Why are you doing what you are doing? It may be that like Isaiah, it is that cold formalism. There are many who go to evangelism just to find a husband or a wife. And there are others who are doing these works because they see that the person who they want to marry is also interested in it. But God will test you. He will rock your boat and then your motive will be known oh how many there are especially have i seen this among ladies who for the purpose of marriage will appear like the life call is upon them 
and they go about in evangelisms. Even men too, they go to programs, camp meetings. But just as soon as the hope for which they had come therefore is denied them, just as soon as they see that that person who they wanted to marry or the object for which they came, they cannot get it, their true motive will be shown. They were dressing well before, but now they see that, oh, that young lady or that young man who I wanted to get is no longer looking at me or he has chosen somebody else to marry. What do they do? They go back to their old ways. The Lord has judged your motive to see what is in your heart, to know whether you really loved him or you were coming just because of a man. The life coal hasn't touched you yet because if the life coal has touched you, Nothing will separate you from the love of God, like Paul says, not even death, not even persecution, not angels, not hunger. The Lord will test some to see whether you have the life goal, and he will bring you perhaps to poverty, to suffering. And if you have the life goal, those things will not stop you. You will continue to pray for those who are in need. You will continue to preach the word of God faithfully. You will not draw back. You will do the work of God and then your true motive will be revealed. But if because of want and lack and poverty, you find yourself changing your principles and living not in harmony with the word of God, it has only judged your motive to see that you didn't have the life goal. The life goal goes down to purify our motives. Not just our actions, not just our words, but our motives will be purified. And if it is not actuated, you know, Paul talked about it in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse and chapter 13. He talked about the gifts of prophesying, of speaking in tongues, of miracles, of teaching, of administration and healing and all of that. And he said, I will show you a more excellent way. Even if I prophesy and I know all things like angels, speaking like them, I am just a tinkling cymbal, sounding brass. In other words, if you are not motivated by love, oh, you do not have that life cold. Your work is not accepted. It is still that cold formalism, dead, common, cheap effort, and it will not be accepted by the Lord. We must review ourselves and request for this life cold that the Lord may purify our motives, that we may work disinterestedly and work in love for the Lord. What do I mean disinterestedly? We don't, we're not working selfishly. We're not doing the evangelism, the sharing of the tracts. We're not going to pray for our friends and our neighbors because there's something in it for us. We are doing it just like the Lord Jesus. There was nothing in it for him. He died for our sins, not because there was something he was to gain from it, but there was everything in it for us to gain. And we also will walk like him if we have that life goal. We will dedicate ourselves to the Lord. I'm not saying everybody will become a minister or a prophet like Isaiah, but in our conduct, in our characters, in our daily lives, we will be keeping the commandments of God purged from our iniquities. We will have our tongues sanctified. Our lives will be potent to do the work of God because we love him. That is what will happen. Reading from Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 1, page 348, paragraph 4 and 5, it says, There is much in the conduct of a minister that he can improve. Many see and feel their lack, yet they seem to be ignorant of the influence they exert. They are conscious of their actions as they perform them, but suffer them to pass from their memory and therefore do not reform. Hmm. 
if ministers i want to i'm reading this so that we can know how to judge our motives and correct ourselves it says if ministers would make the actions of each day a subject of careful thought so any of us make the actions of our day a subject of careful thought and deliberate review deliberate with the object to become acquainted with their own habits of life they will better know themselves by a close scrutiny of their daily life under all circumstances they would know their own motives the principles which actuate them this daily review of our acts to see whether conscience approves or condemns is necessary for all who wish to arrive at the perfection of christian character many acts which pass for good works even deeds of benevolence will when closely investigated be found to be prompted by wrong motives many receive applause for virtues which they do not possess the searcher of hearts inspects motives and often the deeds which are highly applauded by men are recorded by him as springing from selfish motives and base hypocrisy every act of our lives whether excellent or unpraiseworthy or deserving of censure is judged by the searcher of hearts according to the motives which prompted it amen end of quote so we need to know how to check our motives and we cannot know ourselves unless we settle down and review our lives every day deliberately asking myself and asking yourself why did i say what i said that time why did i do what i do what i did if we don't do that we will not understand ourselves we will not even know why we are doing what we are doing. We are just working on functioning on automatic autopilot. That's what we are doing. But we need to make the subject and the conduct of every day a subject of review and deliberate attention so that we can scrutinize ourselves properly and understand why we do what we do. Sometimes I have done this with people. They do things they don't even know why they did it. And when I start to ask, why did you say this? Why did you do this? You did this at this time. Could it be that this was your reason? Perhaps you were trying to avoid persecution. Perhaps you were trying to make it apparent that you're not in support of this or that. Some of them don't even know why they're doing what they're doing, why they do what they do. But unless we ask questions and review it deliberately, step by step, and then we will understand this was the reason why I did this. And you see sometimes, so many times, we realize that the reason for our actions, good, the good ones, even the evil ones, we see some dirty motive behind it. And even some bad things some people do have some good motives behind it. And that's why we are reading here, every act of our lives, whether excellent or praiseworthy, or whether it is deserving or judged by the searcher of hearts according to the motives which prompted it. Some people do bad things, but they had good motives. It's God who judges, but we need to understand ourselves. Another thing is that we have read that this life goal is symbolical of purification. Conflict and Courage, page 234, paragraph 5 says, If it touches the lips, no impure word will fall from them. So, talking about the purification firstly, how can we get it? We have said that yesterday. It is by beholding Christ and it is the righteousness of Christ that purifies us from our sins. Testimonies, Volume 5, page 82 and 83 says, Real conversion is a decided change of feelings and motives. It is a virtual taking leave of worldly connections, a hastening from their spiritual atmosphere, a withdrawing from the controlling power of their thoughts, 
opinions and influences. Education, page 192 says, The great motive powers of the soul are faith, hope, and love. So to have pure motives, our, our motives must be, our actions must be motivated by these three things. Faith, hope, and love. What do we mean motivated by faith? That is, you hear the word of God and you are doing what you are doing because you want to please him. Remember that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We must be motivated by faith because I want to please him. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because he has told me that if I keep his commandments, he will be happy with me. And that's why I did what I did. I'm motivated by that, not because of reward now. The second thing here is hope. Remember, he that cometh God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That is, I am hoping to receive the reward of my faith, of what I did. I am motivated by that. Thirdly, we are motivated by love. We loved him because he first loved us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. So we are told the great motive powers of the soul are faith, hope, and love, and it is to these that Bible study rightly pursued appeals. The outward beauty of the Bible, the beauty of imagery and expression, is but the setting, as it were, for its real treasure, the beauty of holiness. Amen. Now, the other part that I want us to look at is the tongue. When we are sanctified and purified, if there's one part of us that needs real purifying and sanctifying, it is our lips. The live coal touched Isaiah's lips to give him power to speak the truth, but also to speak it in love. The live coal does not mean that you become politically correct and you now become afraid of telling people woe unto you. No, but it means that you say it, but remembering that the people need love and you speak it in love. It means that we cry aloud and say the truth, but with a mind that understands the weakness of man. It means that we speak the truth with the power, and that power is the power of love. Also, the life coal will sanctify the lips, so that we can speak only words that edify and bless. The lips that has been touched by the life coal will speak kindly and compassionately, and will avoid all profane and perverse speech. Reading from Bible Commentary, Volume 4, page 1141, Paragraph 2, it says, Let every soul who claims to be a son or a daughter of God examine himself in the light of heaven. Let him consider the polluted lips that make him undone. They are the medium of communication, Matthew 12, verse 34 and 35. Then, let them not, let them not be used in bringing from the treasure of the heart words that will dishonor that will dishonor god and discourage those around you by the way matthew 12 verse 34 and 35 says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things so what treasure are we bringing out from our hearts to our lips let it be like we read here not things that will dishonor god and discourage those around us but use them for the praise and glory of god who has formed them for this purpose when the cleansing coal is applied from the glowing altar, the conscience will be purged from dead works to serve the living God. And when the love of Jesus is the theme of contemplation, the words coming from human lips will be full of praise and thanksgiving to God and to the Lamb. How many words are spoken in lightness and foolishness, in jesting and joking? This would not be so 
did the followers of Christ realize the truth of the words. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Harsh and unkind words, words of censure and criticism of God's work and criticism of his messengers, are indulged in by those who profess to be his children. When these careless souls discern the greatness of God's character, they will not mingle their spirit and attributes with his service. When our eyes look by faith into the sanctuary and take in the reality, the importance and holiness of the work there being done, everything of a selfish nature will be abhorred by us. Sin will appear as it is, the transgression of God's holy law. The atonement will be better understood, and by living active faith, we shall see that whatever of virtue humanity possesses, it exists only in Jesus Christ, the world's Redeemer. End of quote. Amen. Our tongues need sanctifying. And if you feel free, like it says here, to speak words that are jesting, joking, lightness, foolishness, harsh, unkind speech, criticizing the work of God, criticizing his messengers, it shows that that life goal has not touched your lips. Are you the type who likes to make, likes to make a jest? Who loves to be like a clown? Who loves to be funny? You need the life goal on your lips. Are you among those who love to gossip? especially to bring down those who you envy. The life call needs to touch your lips. Are you among those who love to criticize the work of God and criticize his messengers and in, indulge in criticizing his own people? The life call needs to touch your lips. For every time you do this, censuring and criticizing the work of God and his messengers, every time you indulge in jesting and that lightness that comes from the lips, it is the evidence that the life coal has not touched those lips. And it is uh, my desire that that life coal will touch my lips, not just to sanctify my tongue, but to sanctify me inwardly and purify me inwardly, that out of the good treasure of my heart, I will speak good things. And I pray the same for you, and I hope you are praying the same for yourself, that we may be purified and purged of all our sins that we may come out of that cold, dead formalism and drop all those cheap common efforts for evangelism and wake up in potency for the Lord to do fervent work for Him in prayer, in ministry, and especially in living out the truth in our lives. Let us pray. Dear loving Father in heaven, thank you for these words that we have heard. Please help us to behold you in the sanctuary that we may get that life cool upon our lips, that we may be purified from dead works, from iniquity, from transgression, from sin, that we may rise up to do your work fervently and with power, and drop all lightness, jesting, joking, all criticism and censure of the work of God and of his messengers, and we will rather speak to support both the truth and the messengers of God, that we may live a life free from sin, that we may be purified. Please purge us, I pray. Do this for us and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. I want to love you, Lord. I want to serve you, Lord. I 
This is my prayer.